Godfellas, the show that would dare to engage with content that no one can bear. As lights cover houses and the air gets a chill, we'll bring you a special, maybe even a thrill. We'll talk Christmas songs that just aren't it, and a TV special starring Loretta Swit. We'll end with a playlist for your fellowship hall. Join us now for the best Christmas special of all. Welcome to Godfellas, the small group that meets online. I'm Miss Hannah, and boy, oh boy, are we for a treat today. It's our Christmas special. In fact, it's the best Christmas special ever. There is so much um, fun stuff and great guests included in this episode. Just like the Christmas shoes episode, we had to gather everybody together to recap our year and talk about all things Christmas, holidays. Um, to start off our episode, we thought we would do a really fun segment about Christmas songs that we don't like. Um, so this is called Christmas No-Go's, and we had to pick three amazing guests that we've had on this year to come. People we knew would bring in a great selection of Christmas No-Go's, as we call them. Please welcome our returning guests, uh, Mitch, Olivia, and Neil. Hello. Oh, ho, ho, oh, everyone. Maybe not the best part. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Um, I guess just to start, what's the consensus? How do we feel about Christmas music in general? Are we hardcore Christmas music bands? Are we like maybe a little here and there? Or like, please don't play any Christmas music around me at all. Mitch, why don't we start with you? <laughs> I love it more than certain relatives. I love Christmas music. It's so good. It's like getting to eat ice cream every day with my ears. I can't start soon enough. Uh, so honestly, like November 1st, I'm ready to, you know, crank it up. I'm, I'm all about it. It doesn't get old for me. And until December 26th, and then not a single note shall pass through the radio. I'm going to say I'm not quite the opposite of that, but I definitely am of the camp of I want to savor every second of Christmas music, meaning that like the two weeks before Christmas, it's all I'm listening to. I don't want to get to that moment beforehand and be tired of Christmas music and be um, just Christmas music out. Um, I'm gonna, Mitch and I have only tiffed maybe one time. And, was, and, and this was, was the flashpoint. The role of Christmas in our lives, generally. And it was um, after a worship rehearsal, jokingly putting on Christmas music the day after Halloween. And, and it was as if I'd killed a dog. Like, it was such a tense moment in the car. 
And I was like, I'm so sorry. I thought this would be a good, funny little joke to put on some Christmas dudes. But to, to be very clear, very, very clear. I love Christmas music. Yes. I just want, I want it all for a short amount of time. Yes. Yeah. Let's not cheapen it by like spreading in Lord of the thing. Rings. Yes. Yeah, spreading yeah. the butter over too much bread. Yes. Like Bilbo. Yes. yes. I understand. That. Yeah. So I would say I never understood Christmas fatigue until I worked in retail. As an adult. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, as a kid, Christmas was magical. I loved it. And I've never been one of these people where like Christmas was my entire personality, but I really got into the magic of the Christmas season and the holiday spirit growing up. But right after college, I worked in retail, whether it was a grocery store or Banana Republic at the mall for a couple of years around the holidays. And when you're doing like a 10 hour shift in the fitting room at Banana Republic, hearing the same Christmas songs over and over again, that's when it finally clicked for me. Like, okay, I understand now why some people can't wait for Christmas to be over. <laughs> and the but, fourth time today. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> that having been said, I do have my like totemic Christmas albums that unlock the spirit of Christmas yes. for me. Yes. yes. And they're definitely connected to nostalgia from childhood Christmases. It says a lot about who I am in my upbringing that I would say <laughs> my two key activation artists for Christmas are Amy Grant and Twyla Paris. Yeah, <laughs> that firmly puts you into camp. Yep. <laughs> that could be another episode, but Amy Grant is like my Christmas queen. I'll just say that. Move over, Mariah. Whoa, that's the quote <laughs> of the episode. You did it a minute in. <laughs> All yes. Right. So, so this is going to be a theme of my segment when we get to it is some artists just really click with Christmas mm. and it like brings out their inner essence in a powerful way. Mm. Obviously, Mariah Carey is exhibit A. Yeah. I would yeah. argue Wham! with Last Christmas. That brought yeah. out something in George Michael that we might not have <laughs> encountered otherwise. Some artists, it brings out something distinct in a negative yeah. way. Absolutely. That's a teaser for my my riff that I'm going to unleash later. That's the codex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we just start to dive in? This is Christmas no-goes. This is songs that we don't really like at Christmas time. This was inspired by the fact that we mentioned on this podcast so much how how much we don't like Mary Did You Know? (laughs) And thought what other Christmas songs don't we like that we could maybe talk about so that's how we're that's how we're start we're starting with songs we don't like (laughs) so i guess who wants to go first let's start start. with a 10 minute defense of mary did you know neil you want to take it away here we go um i'll i'll kick it off uh because i know my my choice is a little controversial so i'm going to give it some context this is just me coming at it personally i'm not saying this is the holy of holies answer I used to sing in an acapella band for uh, many years, um, and I loved it. It was a great time in my life. I was proud of it. Already we're, highly controversial. We're we were called <laughs> we were called Forte. There's got to be a recording. And somewhere. we love yeah, that. and uh, you can look it up on Spotify. It's all there. Forte acapella group, Central High School. It's all on Spotify. Um, I cannot abide uh, pentatonics music at Christmas time, and it's. 
omnipresence just constantly popping up on the radio it's so much for me and it reminds me of like when andy bernard on the office was like name a song it's better acapella like it's how i feel like where everyone's like this is so much better because of the acapella component i'm like some of them are good like some of these arrangements are good some of these arrangements are just very like i feel like flashy and over the top and like Mm. indulgent and i'm like I don't know. I would rather hear the Carpenters sing this than like, you know, Pentatonics. Like, breath of heaven. Like, it's just not my. The heavy use of beatboxing and glissando is not for everyone. Yes. Yes. And I like can enjoy it. Oh, I hear a little sample being played. Is there a sample being played? This child. It's um, Mary. Did you know? (laughs) I would say they did. You monster! Many the the penultimate version of it. Many are like, that's my version. (laughs) Oh yeah, people love people love this version. They go bananas for it. So I know that's controversial. It's just like very cringy to me. I'm going to be honest. Like acapella music is cringy to me as a genre, Um, and the like subgenre of christmas acapella stuff like i was the kid in high school who was like begging my teacher to sing straight no chasers 12 days of christmas i was like please let us do it i love it for you choir nerds out there you're gonna know exactly what i'm talking about and i think i've just like reflexively gone full the other way a 180 i'm like i can't hear it ever again for the rest of my life so pentatonics i'm taking you off my christmas list (laughs) wow can i jump in speaking of cringe yeah and give you mine yeah. um i'm gonna say a whole artist yeah speaking of <laughs> yeah um, and your we're, your we're selection de- is very powerful <laughs> i'm jealous <laughs> yeah um so <laughs> mine is anything around the holidays that the trans-siberian orchestra comes wow. out with <laughs> yeah. i know there's gonna be some people that are angry at that yeah and um a little like a little disclaimer is i love classic rock i love rock music and i was the band geek in school so i love an orchestra piece i love an energetic orchestra piece that being said if i have to hear trans-siberian orchestra defile handel's messiah or anything I might spoon my eyeballs out. Um. <laughs> oh my no. gosh. Just feed this that. Is, oh. As you just said that you want to like. <laughs> that crunchy guitar sound. Like, yeah. I also very fully agree with this. Yeah. Honestly, I think part of it comes from growing up because they make their they make their rounds during the Christmas. Yeah, time. they do. This is when they flourish. Speaking of, yeah. you know, <laughs> honestly, I don't know what they do for the rest of the year. <laughs> like, just kick back and relax. Yeah. But during the Christmas time, they're going on tour, right? And they always came. I grew up right right outside of the capital of New York, so they always came in. And every other commercial was an ad for Trans Siberian yes. Orchestra wow. coming to the Times Union Center. It was always Carol the Bells. And it was always Carol the Bells. <laughs> 
<laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, that's a very strong choice. Enough is enough, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Was it this way? Was it this way in your town? It was like the tickets were like, it would be at the local performing arts center, not at like a like rock venue. It was always like, pay $45 yeah. to go to the Schuster Center. To oh, yeah. Trans-Siberian yeah. Orchestra. Yeah. 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 Bonkers. Bonkers. Is, yeah. Too yeah. much. That's a very I, good choice. Yeah, I want Christmas music I can sing along to at Christmas time. And yeah. I think I, I stand with you there that I'm like, nah, I no. I want to hear the classics yes. or the originals of those songs and be content with that. And I want to be clear, I want dads in their garages in November and December to have something, you know, I want them to enjoy. So you're not saying it should be taken off the market and like yes, but for for me, like if there were an alternate yeah. universe for me, yeah. yes, yes, a world without Trans Siberian Orchestra. What does that look like for our children? Do you remember that Twilight Zone episode, <laughs> a world without Trans Siberian Orchestra? Well, we've started with full artists. Are we, Neil? Do you have a full artist or? Yeah. So I'm glad <gasps> that. Well, I'm basically I'm glad Olivia went as big as you did, Olivia, because yes. mine is kind of like an overarching thematic project, I would good, say. Good. Wow. Yes. So I am going to unleash my inner rock historian and riff a little bit Do on it. the Beatles Get Back documentary that oh. I watched over Thanksgiving. Not sure if you guys watched as that. Well, as, yeah. As yeah. well. Yeah. Super interesting. Yes. So, Olivia, you mentioned your classic rock affinity a moment ago. You're wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt shirt i noticed so again i feel like this is a safe space for that (laughs) that kind of dialogue so i thought i would approach this as it's rooted in my own experience from when i worked in retail as i mentioned before but i would approach it as ranking the christmas songs released by the beatles during their solo careers okay yes from best to worst okay great so starting good and then plummeting to the nadir (laughs) sorry this is from the from the zenith to the nadir is is the journey is there an excel sheet to go along yes i hope there is i hope we've all been printed booklets Um, i can i can send that as a follow-up for sure Um, (laughs) so I'll just run through it. This is going to be, I mean, this is a free flowing dialogue, but this is going to be a minor Nielsen's like, you know, monologue here. (laughs) So honorable mention I wanted to to just throw in is for their generational contemporaries. The Beach Boys have a Christmas song called Little St. Nick. Yeah. 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 One of the refrains of that is like Mike Love or whoever it is singing uh, Christmas comes this time each year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Which is just the most inane observation. It's just like. <laughs> it's going to happen again. <laughs> Thank you for that insight, Beach Boys. That's very profound. So that's going to become a theme because I'm not here to trash the Beatles by any means. I'm a huge Beatles fan. Um, when I listened to the White Album for the first time in high school, that was like a huge musical epiphany for me. So yeah. they're like a core, you know, memory for me musically, I would say, and one of my favorite bands. But um, I feel like something happened to several of them, if not all of them, when they started to delve into the realm of Christmas music. And mm-hmm. it seemed to take them from being 
one of the most innovative and sophisticated of pop music acts to one of the most repetitive and inane of pop music acts. Yeah. So starting with the best, in my opinion, um, I'm going to rank John Lennon and Yoko Ono's Happy Xmas parentheses war is over. This, in my opinion, is the best. Wow. Okay. All right. There's room for debate as to whether or not it's good. But I would say Lennon is my favorite of the Beatles. His music resonates with me on an emotional level. And I like this song because while it is very repetitive, it does kind of engage my emotions a little bit. It has kind of a a plaintive vibe to it. Mm. Now, we're getting to a line. I take issue with a couple aspects of it. The, the use of a, a children's choir. <laughs> <laughs> Going after the conventions of the genre now. I love it. <laughs> There's a, a prominent children's choir, which is always a little dicey. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like the second or third line is, so this is Christmas and what have you done? Which is, John Lennon's kind of an aggro guy, but that's yeah. a little aggressive, especially with the pandemic. The I don't want to hear that. I'm like, coming at me. I'm like, let me live my life. Like, don't ask me what I've done. Like, I made it through another year of the COVID nineteen pandemic. You know? Yeah, but what have you done? <laughs> but it's. I like the fact that it's. It's. Even though it is a Christmas song and, you know, he kind of sold out for the holiday season, as so many artists do, Mm -hmm. it's still very him. It's very John Lennon. Like, yes, Mm. he spelled it Xmas in the title for whatever reason. He put in parentheses, (laughs) war is over. (laughs) I don't know why he had to get political like that, but he's John Lennon. Like, that's just, you know, that's what it is. So as we as we descend in quality, in my subjective opinion, I would say number three is George Harrison's Christmas song. Now, this one, I will admit, Ringo and George, I had to do some research on. They're not as (laughs) as ubiquitous. I wasn't familiar with them. Are you guys aware that George Harrison has a solo Christmas song? No, No, I did not know that. No. I feel like I might have heard that sometime. Can we before, play it, Zach? Can we get a little clip? It it doesn't get a lot of play. It is called Ding Dong, comma, Ding Dong. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's why I heard it. Was yeah. That's a Ringo song if ever I heard one right there. <laughs> I know. And this is George. This is not I know, but I'm that's that's octopus garden energy. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So my, I like this. Yes, it's yeah, it's actually little, really good. It's a little overproduced. It's got a lot of guitar and a lot of like very 70s horn riffs. Mm. But I was actually surprised when I listened to it how into it I was. Yeah. <laughs> It's not bad, right? Yeah, it's, it, it's crazy. It makes me wonder, like, why some Christmas songs remain in the zeitgeist and others never reach yeah. that level, you know? Yeah, because this is actually kind of a nice song that you can kind of bop to. And it's not one I hear on the radio, you know, at, at the stores or whatever. 
But my big take on this was I feel like everything George Harrison did had kind of a mournful quality to it. Yeah. 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 Like even Here Comes the Sun is like foregrounded in like it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Like yeah. We're, yeah. we're emerging from a place yeah. of, of darkness. <laughs> maybe a sad yeah. guy, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, his first solo album, which I absolutely love, All Things Must Pass. Mm-hmm. The title track of it is called I'd Have You Anytime. Mm-hmm. You know, sounds like, okay, little... <laughs> Little risque, yeah. like George. Sure. Is, is this George Harrison or I George Thorogood? This is going to be a yeah. saucy episode. Yeah, <laughs> those are good. Yes. But speaking saucy. of saucy, it's, but then the song starts and it's like extremely George Harrison. Like it's mm. it's kind of plaintive and mournful, which mm. are yeah. I'm overusing those words, but it doesn't sound at all like you would think it sounds from the title. Right. That's kind of George Harrison's vibe. Is like I'm sitting in a garden with some gnomes it's black and white and the yeah. word all things must pass are floating above me absolutely absolutely like, his music is about like the ephemeral nature of reality you know yes, yes. which so i then, want to consider at christmas well, that's it. so then four years later he releases a christmas single called ding dong ding dong <laughs> <laughs> and i'm just like George, like, what are you doing? You know, I love it. I but love then it. I listened to it. Yeah. I don't know if you guys picked up on, but the main refrain yeah, is the lyrics <laughs> ring out the old ring and the new. It's about like the passage of time. It's about like letting go and embracing change and mutability. <laughs> That's really good. So it's, it's really good. Yeah. It's a quintessentially George Harrison song, which the title kind of belies that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so as we descend, number two, so this is second worst. And I'm I'm cheating here a little bit because I actually would say on the merits artistically, this is the worst. It is <laughs> the one, it is not the one that has caused me the most pain in my life. <laughs> Because it's not as widely played. So this is Ringo's Christmas single. It's called I Want to Be Santa Claus. You sit on a throne of lies. Hey, what? Just, just hey, that what? right there. Hey, what? I, I don't find that a relatable emotion. <laughs> oh, wow. Never once thought. <laughs> I thought we had some, Chris some Christmas fans in the room. but. <laughs> So once again, kind of inanely repetitive and overproduced. Right. With a title like I Want to Be Santa Claus, I wouldn't think it'd be this slow. (laughs) Again, very octopus garden. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So you have Ringo's distinctive baritone. Right. Intoning about how he wishes he was Santa Claus. This is almost like a novelty, like a gag gift. I see you laughing through my mic. So this is this is this the is title track from his Christmas album. 
He, he recorded a song called I Want to Be Santa Claus and then said, this is the title of the whole album. This is I'm choosing to make this the theme. Oh, goodness. We're going to push that single hard. <laughs> the album cover, he's in. He's dressed as, as Santa, as one might imagine. Yeah, of course. His skin is like filtered to look green. So there's like kind of a weird Grinch crossover element. Oh. And he's wearing sunglasses for whatever reason. So he's a rock star. That's why that brings me to number one, meaning worst. And obviously by process of elimination, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Paul McCartney. How dare you? One of the great geniuses of pop music, you know, along with Lennon took rock and roll to territory that it had never been before in terms of songwriting and studio recording complexity added a sense of melody and orchestral arrangement that had never been seen in popular music before. He created this. <laughs> Wonderful Christmas time. The reason this is worse to me, this is the song that I would say what clicked for me the sense of like why people get sick of Christmas. <laughs> Hearing that little synth opening and knowing that I was going to get three minutes of this again for like the seventh mm -hmm. time that day while I was working, you know, in retail. Mm -hmm. Like that's when I started to be like, okay, I'm, I'm ready for the holidays to be over. Yeah. <laughs> Two interesting things about this song. One, it was recorded during the same sessions that he recorded his album McCartney 2 in 1980, which is huh? one of his best solo albums. <laughs> yeah. it, it's like experimental. It's very minimalist. He embraced like new wave and like 80s synth music. But this was a product of those same sessions. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's very unfortunate. The other thing is I read on Wikipedia, apparently with all of these plays that I was referencing that I had to endure and all the various cover versions that are out there, he earns $400,000 in royalties from this song every Christmas. Wow. So <laughs> in the last 40 plus years, he's made something like $15 million from this song alone. So Wonderful Christmas time was a one song. I know a brilliant business enterprise by Paul McCartney, but it is not when this comes on at Christmas, it is not a, a joyous moment for me. For my first pick, it wasn't an artist, but it might as well be because I don't think I like any of this artist Christmas music. My first pick was specifically now. I don't know if anyone on this call will disagree. If you do, that's fine. Um, I think my friends listening to this will be very upset that I said this. I have never been a Justin Bieber Christmas oh. music fan. Oh, Mistletoe sure. is one of the most oh, gosh. annoying sure. songs in the world to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. Absolutely. And gosh, that's a good absolutely. Pick. I'm feeling like an old millennial right now because I didn't even know this was there was a constituency for Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> this came out like Maybe 2015, 2014, 2015. Very much where I was at the age where like this was written for me and I completely reject it because it's just so. That's an interesting thing. He says though. shoddy with you. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Hey. 
that's pop songwriting. That's an interesting thing because like there's generation stuff. Yeah. Because like to me, like all I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Um, you know the NSYNC one, like a lot of like yes. generational. I'm like that's a classic, you know. Yeah. So for a certain generation of people, like mistletoe is on their list, but. I guess I guess I've never Oof. really been a I I was a Justin Bieber fan when I was younger and then I kind of aged out That's and and, yeah. and really didn't <laughs> didn't like him anymore and I guess I don't know if it's just my disdain for his music nowadays or if it's but I feel like where Mariah Carey lands in her Christmas music is that it is very festive and I feel the Christmas spirit in it where in this I'm like it's just Justin Bieber trying to sing Christmas music to make more music you know and so I think but also I don't like him so it's like <laughs> I think with that added layer comes in my also I hate him <laughs> right <laughs> my ver- my next one is a version of Jingle Bells oh by God, um you know a, a favorite of mine being a musical theater kid in high school um, uh, Barbara Streisand, and it can really only be experienced. Can't really be explained. All the way, oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh! Hey, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way! Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh! One last time, one more time around the block. Through the fields of white on this happy Christmas night, off we go through the snow. Bells are ringing, we'll be singing. And it just continues to escalate. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle. Wow. So do you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. Why I would deign to pick just a single song instead of a genre of music? It's because this song is so uniquely bad. <laughs> it's the it's the epitome of a song that starts at 10 and goes to 20 like there's no dynamic range it's just so much and i don't understand because i love barbara streisand but uh, it's it's Uh, bad y'all it's bad none of us have gone for what i believe are like the obvious obvious answers the dominic the donkey the baby it's (laughs) cold outside because Mm. i feel like those are all givens right so in the in the same vicinity of uh, what's the Latin phrase? Sweet, generous. Yes. There we go. Um, of uh, Neil's pick, Neil's Paul McCartney pick. There is one Wonderful song. Christmas. Wonderful Christmas time. There is one song that one year I remember very, very, very vividly. It was um, like one of my first years working in a salon in New York City, and I was working Christmas Eve. I only had Christmas off and I was back in the salon the next day Mm. and all of Christmas Eve, the one song that was on rotation is Christmas baby, please come home. And I know people love the song. I love it. And I think it's an okay song. Like I don't, it doesn't give me like a guttural, like visceral reaction when it comes on. But if we're going to be a little particular, the Christmas. Okay, yep. Christmas. I hear in, in like night terrors sometime. <laughs> sometimes. <Yeah. laughs> so you can come at me if you want. 
I love it for it's in Home Alone, right? This is the one in Home Alone, I believe. It's probably in Home Alone. Let's just say it's in Home Alone. Sure. Uh, it's in, it's in every Christmas sure. movie. Um, they're singing Deck the Halls, but it's not like Christmas at all. So that's my pick. And honestly, come at me if you want. <laughs> you know, I do love that song, but who am I to be like, I'm going to challenge the trauma you endured. Yes, that's <laughs> it. It's like, it's done harm to you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> my next pick is maybe my most controversial one, I would say, Ooh. Um, which is a song, uh, just the more I think about it, the more I don't like, and that is I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't... I. I, I <laughs> of course, you played the Jackson Five version. That's the best version. Um, I there's something about it that's just like, okay, sure, I get that it. microphone. The parent dresses up as Santa Claus to put out gifts. Maybe because what happens if your child comes downstairs? I, that's what I always thought was the reason, right? So if that was the reason you're dressing up. Why would you do? Why y'all you know, it, You're you're playing yourself. You're you're putting yourself in a situation that you can't get out Congratulations. of. Congratulations, you played yourself. You're traumatizing <laughs> your child. Like, <laughs> maybe they were having a grown-up Christmas party and thought the kids oh, were asleep. You know, this is not my grown-up <laughs> Christmas, Christmas list. <laughs> this is. I don't know. There's something about this that I don't. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they thought the kid about, was like, asleep and it's Wednesday night and this is their night. <laughs> it's yeah. a strange, contrived setup for a song. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. And I guess it's weird to me to think that like we as a people sing along to this yeah. of like this awkward yeah. family tension that happened. And then <laughs> probably having this results in having to tell the kid like, listen. Here's the truth about Santa. Like, you know, like, Santa. I don't think we have enough music celebrating walking in. <laughs> it just, the situation just seems sad to me. And I, I, I don't know. I just get sad. Every time I hear it, I just think about what happened after, you know, <laughs> the, the, like, in regards to, I should clarify, in regards to <laughs> the child bringing up like confrontation to the parents now i am putting myself in a situation <laughs> yeah it's yeah look what it's done it's me. not a song that rewards like careful analysis and deconstruction it mostly wow. yes. it just kind of is like you're just annoyed with with everyone involved yeah <laughs> Now that we know what songs we should skip, please join me on a little trip to a world where friendship is the greatest factor, where we unite a secondhand film critic with an actor. Folks, we are continuing our Christmas special episode with two very, very special guests. Oh, just two wonderful, amazing talents. 
the secondhand film critic meets the actor. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up, even if you're driving. Hoot and holler. Just let's, let's go crazy for our guest, uh, Kayla Faneth and Michael Williams. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> the best intros that I will ever receive are in these wonderful meetings. My, my- That's the only reason I come here, is just to be showered with compliments. <laughs> it's fair. Kayla... Uh, fun fact, for the second year in a row, has suggested the episode um, for our Christmas special. Last year, she so uh, said we should do Christmas shoes, and this year, she suggested that we do the best Christmas pageant ever. I feel and- like I just casually throw these things out, and you're like, oh, that's a great idea. And I'm like, I was kind of kidding, but... <laughs> Don't don't kid with me because I'll tell you this whole show yeah. this entire show was born out of like Mitch and Brandon were like, wouldn't it be funny if we got Zach to host a show about this? And I went, Oh. <laughs> so if you don't know, it's weird. I feel like you've probably seen this one audience at some point. Like I feel like a lot of people are at least familiar with this story in one way or another, but for years, I didn't know what it's called, and I still kind of don't. If it's the best or the worst Christmas pageant ever, it's it's weird marketing. But yeah, I yeah. feel like I remember it being called the best worst Christmas pageant ever. Yeah, because I read oh, it in elementary too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mandela effect. Do you remember the book at all? I do. I I remember. I don't remember who Ooh. wrote it. I <laughs> Shakespeare. I, I, think. I remember. I remember hearing about Imogene and like the description of of the character being written was very I I, w- I would say very like the film. I'm I'm pretty sure it was a very basic like text to film adaptation, but like like I remember I remember <laughs> I remember, you know, like Imogene coming in and I remember the earrings part specifically they had to take out her earrings like I remember about, you know, how they were punching like the other kids at school, like things like that. Um, but this was like a book that we read like over weeks in school. Like it was like, we're just going to read like a couple pages. And then if you're good tomorrow, we'll read a little mm. bit more. Oh, and no. Gosh, you know, <laughs> totally. I, mean, we, I know it won't be good. We know I've gone to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> private Christian school. We knew this was the environment. You didn't know yes. that? I'll tell you. No, I, oh, I went yes. to a public, public Texas school. And this is something that we read. Like, uh, I I like, and I think like fourth, maybe fifth grade, Um, fourth grade. Okay. I would, I I do think it's fourth and it, it was not, I did not go to a, like the school does not have religious affiliations, but they had the book read to us anyway. And I still Texas. So yeah. Honor the Texas flag. (laughs) I'm sure I don't know what you mean. <laughs> well, was it was this not there I feel like there was more than just the Christmas pageant. I feel like there was a like the best year of school ever. Like yes. it was maybe a series or they did a few other ones. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I don't think it was I think so. kids. I think it was different like scenarios every time. Like, okay. This writer really liked writing about mundane subject matters. <laughs> Well, who doesn't? <laughs> uh, I'm telling you. So, so first question before we get into it: a made-for-TV Christmas special. What? Because again, I wanna. I don't want to go in judging this for what it isn't. I want to judge it for what it is. So, 
what is the as consumers when we're sitting down to watch a made for a 40 minute made for tv special what is the bar i feel like it just needs to be engaging enough that you care for like because it is a short amount of time you have to sit there and watch it like if you look down at your phone blip it's over yeah and so it needs to be engaging enough but also not like too much packed mm -hmm. into a short amount of time like it's got to be simple sweet and have an easy message because otherwise like you're just gonna hate it i feel like yeah yeah i attribute like a like a recognizable actor or actress to hook the the audience so like like it, like a Rob Lowe in Christmas shoes kind of situation, or like a Neil. Oh, oh my gosh, Neil Patrick Harris is in this. Like, mm -hmm. surely. <laughs> um, and it's either a repeat of something that's already been done, like a Miracle on 34th Street kind of situation, sure. or similar to what you're saying, something that's very thematically engaging, something that's just like, oh, okay, that's there's the draw, there's yeah. the there's the thing that separates this from <laughs> anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we've alluded to you need a poll and uh folks, I, I have some good news for you. This this special is starring Loretta Swit and they go to great lengths. They like put her name up and then give the credits maybe like, I don't know, fifteen just uninterrupted seconds so that you could take in wow one of the people who was on mash is in is in this uh this special that i'm about to watch and i remember i was with hannah's parents and like on the on i remember on the vhs when i was a kid her name was all over it and i was like i don't know who this woman is <laughs> and hannah's dad was like oh the, the woman from mash right and i was like yeah i i guess so yeah yeah, she's on the cover right here. Yes. Yep. Oh my then, gosh. That's the thing. It's like definitely an obscure reference because sure, you can think like, yeah, she's like the main female character on MASH, but then there's also like Alan Arkin or like, you know, other people that are, that's the right guy, right? I don't, I don't know. I'm uh, uh, Alan. Uh, Alan Alda. I Alda. always yeah. get them mixed up. Mm -hmm. Okay, Alan. I was going to say, Alan Arkin is in MASH. I might start watching it. <laughs> what? What? I, have, I don't watch TV. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Did they push her? I didn't know they pushed her that much. They, that like, was my it was, first note that I took was, Hulahan? Yeah. What? Let's talk about the, uh, the, the series. We'll kind of walk through the, the, the series, the special. We'll walk through the plot. So we open in a small town. I don't know where, probably somewhere in Ohio. Sure. We'll, we'll go with that. Fair and, guess. And, and we meet the, the Bradley family who are, uh, a very <sighs> middle to upper class family. The dad is my hero. Because uh, he doesn't want to attend any of the children's events. And, you know, I get that. But there is a dreadful family called the Herdmans, where the parents are out of the picture and the children live in poverty and they lash out because they've had lives of trauma and everybody in the town hates them. As a matter of fact, I wrote down in my notes the whole town that they live in uh, 
is in such great fear of them that they they can't even arrest them because they've burned down the jailhouse. The scourge of the herdmen is uh is inescapable in this town. The the opening scene of the movie though is the Sunday school class. Oh yeah, yeah. well the opening scene is like the worst kids in the world are just like I like acting out Bible things and the teacher's like oh oh and like she the teacher wrote down when the kids are saying things they like the teacher is nice. I was like, okay, man, like, <laughs> chill yes, out. she is. But then, essentially, the main boy, he stands up and he says, my favorite thing about Sunday school is that there aren't any herdmans here. Which, like, let's take a step back. He said, my favorite <laughs> thing about church is the children who bully me are not here. And the teacher rats him out for that. There's a tone that I thought this could have easily gone in. Uh, I'll like it's the it's all of the scenes in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where the adults are responding in the idiosyncratic ways to trying to get a ticket. Yeah. And I was like, that would be genius. And for a second, like for a second, they all I feel like we almost glimpsed it. And then like and then the movie started. <laughs> right. right. I I did try to look up where this took place and I couldn't find it. But I did find, because you just said it, in the UK and in Australia, this book is not called the best Christmas pageant ever. It's called The Worst Kids in the World. Here's here's my soft preamble. I don't think these kids are that bad. As an educator of youth, yeah. these kids are really... Like, these are most of the kids who I teach on, like behavioral wise. Yeah, these most feel like very like normal, normal children. Yeah, yeah. All these other little kids with their hair completely parted in their sweaters. I'm like, oh no, no. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. let's be real. Tracks pretty well with like a conservative crowd, where it's That's like true. anyone who is not conservative and even is like remotely a little bit secular, quote unquote. It's mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're the worst kid in the world because they're of the world and a sinner. And it's like, really, they're not awful people at all. Yeah. The costume design boggles my mind because the first thing I wrote was like, this is what you would put kids in in a community theater version of Oliver. Oliver. Like yeah, every not- single one of them, from like and the I'll- cats to like the and the vague dirt on the face, like yeah, to, to someone quote, with a uh- Ben Nye kit. Just dirting themselves up. To quote Patton Oswalt in his bit about Christmas shoes, he was like, you have these kids dressed as Dickensian street urchins in yes! like a world of hand sanitizer. Yeah, just going back to that point about like the kids aren't that bad. Like they run around their own home. They're chemists who blow things and up. One of them is no. OK, two of them are known to get physical, whether hitting or biting. But there's like what? 50 yes. of them? Well, like, the one is like five. Like. Yeah, a yeah. child. Yeah. Uh, like, also, this they, poor family that oh lives like in a rundown gosh. garage. Like, oh yeah, let's bully the impoverished family in town. Like, they, they blew up a building. Is that in the book? I don't know. I, I just, don't remember. I don't remember. Again, I was I like, like, it is. I was like, so crime is rampant in this town because the children burn down the jail with no consequences. It's kind of. I want to see the movie that's more like these children amass power and take over the town. And yes. Well, and it was like he ate the kids' brownies or whatever, but like. <laughs> 
it wasn't like he roughed him up or like yeah, beat he, him up for him or gave him a wedgie. It was like, oh, he just opened the lunchbox and ate the brownies. It's and kind of on Charlie. Yeah. It's kind of on the, the kid Charlie for bringing his lunchbox into the gym and <laughs> gym, gym, class. gym class and putting it. And leaving it on the bench. Like, I don't know what you think is going to happen, but let's uh, talk about the plot a little bit more. So the lady who was going to direct the Christmas musical <laughs> falls down the stairs and breaks her leg and they let her improvise for five minutes, <laughs> just talking about other things she has to do. And Loretta oh, no. Swit now has to direct the Christmas pageant. But, uh-oh, meanwhile, at school, after Leroy Herdsman eats charlie's brownie charlie lies about getting dessert at church and then the herdmen show up at church which i i looked at hannah and i was like i don't know what they're implying about right now like i am so confused as to like what the issue is oh no yeah the herdsmen's went well, to church well not even that food. well not even that like i don't get why the kid is just like you want to eat my dessert fine i eat dessert at church i was like okay Did charlie coming in with the jesus juke like yeah. Yeah. how can i fit christ in this conversation all the snacks i can eat yeah all of them you wish i was so confused though as to why it was like that's how they're gonna get in here because <laughs> he's lying about getting refreshments all all the time oh, oh my gosh and then yeah. I was telling Hannah, I was like, they've never been to church before. So someone passes around a plate of money. <laughs> like, yeah, of, of course. Yeah, I don't blame them. Of course. This is 100%. This is fault. So uh, then they announced the Christmas pageant. And I guess Imogene is an aspiring actress. And she gets her whole family to come to rehearsals with her. Now, as someone who teaches this age group theater now, if like seven kids, it's like pulling teeth to get children to want to be the leads in the pageant. <laughs> if seven children rolled up and they were like, hey, all the lead roles that you can't cast, we, we got this. And I was like... <laughs> Brilliant! Thank you! So the, the herdsmen's come and take over church, and uh-oh. When we talk about movie villains, there are a few names that, that come to mind. Darth Vader, Lord Voldemort, Hans Landa, mm-hmm. Alice Windelkins in, in this movie. Is that her last name? Yeah, as the girl who always plays Mary is maybe the worst person who has ever been created in a fiction? I don't know. I don't know if anyone I mean, can confirm, but yeah. If, <laughs> if they had say something I, mean, but go, go for it. I mean, she's a conservative white female growing up in an environment <laughs> that teaches her that she can stomp on other people. Yeah, those are the worst people, in my opinion. She's awful. She's the worst. Yeah, and. uh she always plays Mary, but not this year because Imogene has threatened to shove something down her ear if she volunteers to play Mary. For the intended audience that I think we all know this is for, 
stuff gets randomly dropped. Like the children goes like, well, you know, he's talking about sexy things or like the children have been talking about sex. And it's like, yeah. okay, well then you got to pick an angle here. Cause if you're writing for who I'm writing for, I don't think anyone would approve. Well, so here's, we're starting to veer into where this got weird for me. Cause on the one hand, on, the one, say. Hand, on the one hand, the, the movie seems like, it's trying to criticize its audience in a way. You know what I mean? That it's like, hey, you need to chill. Especially with the one, the, the loaded scene where the Herdmans have never heard the Christmas story and she reads it to them. And she's like, she was great with child. And one of the kids goes, I don't know what that means. And Ralph goes, it means pregnant. And everyone's like, oh, how dare you? But, and then it goes to like Alice. She's like, I can't believe he said that. And the other girl's like, well, she was. <laughs> and, and she's like, I'm not supposed to talk about be, people being pregnant, especially in church. I was like, well, I've been in a lot of churches where uh, rumors start with like, hey, Bethany is pregnant. We need to pray for her. Oh, yeah. I do think this story is most successful as a as a commentary on the church, regardless of whether that was its intent or not. I do think this yeah. story is most successful when the author realizes how much they can laugh at the people who don't get that like Mary Poppins is not for the kids. It's for the dad. Like this story is not for kids. Yeah. It's for church people who don't realize how absolutely dumb they're being all the time or how like yeah. insular things can become. But I don't know if that was the intent. Yeah. <laughs> if that was the intent with the book, I don't think the film director got it because. Oh, not that, at all. Not at that, all. That blocking <laughs> in that scene you were talking about when they read the Christmas story is that the Herdmans are all like in a line up front and she's reading the story to them. And then all of the church kids are in like a, like an army behind her. Like, yeah, you're going to hear this Christmas story. Mm. And we're here <laughs> to talk about it. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, I'll say this now because it's, it's probably going to come back later. I, uh, I feel like every Christmas I, I spend telling people like, Hey, can we give Mary, the mother of our Lord, like a break? Like, I'm tired of every sermon being about like, oh, that poor Mary. But then in this movie, I, I love when the, the she's just like, let's talk about Mary. She was quiet. <laughs> she was gentle and she was kind. I was like, oh, um, no. <laughs> one, of the, one of those things. I don't know that the Bible necessarily. I don't know. <laughs> she you mean submissive? They were they were seconds away from talking about Jesus's beautiful blondish brown hair. Hey. They just hadn't gotten to it yet. They just yeah. hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah, they, they were close. <laughs> so then we we move into the actual rehearsals, which I thought there were some legitimately funny moments, and also just some moments. Again, where I'm like, are you are you aware of what you're saying, like filmmakers? The lines that make me laugh is uh when she goes, uh, she didn't even get to name her own baby. I would have named him Bill. <laughs> that was I thought that was great. But then also the scene where they start fighting after she goes, I've got the baby here. Don't touch him. I named him Jesus. And she goes, Mary doesn't say that. Stop that. Mary and Joseph sit there and say nothing to make a lovely future for everyone to look at. And I was like, 
<laughs> Do you know that that sounds ridiculous, or is the writer sincerely just like, and here's what I think? I I genuinely can't tell. I do think that's the author's intent. I think the fact of the matter is that this was a minimum effort TV special and they, they had good writing. I legitimately think like the writing and some of the jokes in this piece are brilliant when done well. Um, And I think they just like the dad, not wanting to participate is brilliant, brilliant, especially when done genuinely. But I had flashbacks from watching Troll 2 by like how little effort was given in any of these scenes or how few people actually had maybe taken an acting class. And that's the hard part about doing this piece is because there's so many kids and the kids have to be good. And that is a mathematical impossibility. Kayla, you mm-hmm. grew up watching this this special, I right? I did, yes. So what um, was, like, the familial takeaway at the end? Like, we need to be nicer to, like, those who are less privileged than us? Or, like, that was fun? I think it was just a that was fun kind of thing. Right. My theater troupe did this when I I was too young to be in the troupe at that point. Ah. Um, this was, like, a year or two before I joined. I remember seeing it mostly because they used to do their plays in an old mill at Christmas time, and there was no heat. And so you would sit there in the mill and it was like kind of an open sit around stage and um, you had to like wear your winter coats and stuff. Um, And so did all the cast. Um, But I I, like vividly remember watching this there. And then like we watched this all the time, I guess, because when I turned this on, I was like, I know all of these lines. Yeah, me too. For some reason, like I Mm. must have watched this way more. Than I thought I did, um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I feel like we always did the approach that was like, "Oh, we need to be nice, but also it's just funny," or kind of the like, "Oh, we need to like bring these people into the church and convert them." Like mm. once they're a part of it and see who Jesus is, then they'll know and they'll suddenly be good and turn away from all these sinful ways of theirs, I guess, like more from a conversion standpoint. Whereas like, I think now I could look at it and be like, this is extremely progressive. If you look at it in the way that's like the perception of people outside of the church and these people in the church are super cruel. And it it just is like, it depends on your, I guess your personal belief system, what you would take away from this. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's the line where the pastor says, um, Jesus said, suffer all the little children to come unto me, but I'm not sure he meant the Herdman's. And I'm like, I feel like that, like, is it gets a polarizing response with the audience is either like, my goodness, what a terrible man, or, oh, he's got jokes, you know, like, yeah. So, like, because I was about to say, I feel like that, like, takes a stand, but like, even that line is like kind of played as like, you could deduce that maybe he's joking, but I was like, I feel like I've heard, you know, that this that said yeah. before, which yeah. yikes. I and, have. Yeah. And it's not good. And it's not, no. you know, it doesn't represent Jesus very well. I don't think yeah. either. I mean, like, uh, for example, like a real world example, our youth group growing up, um, I feel like I've talked about this before, but we mm. would bus in kids on Wednesday yeah. nights. And it basically was like Sunday school on Sundays. We don't bus in kids. 
And so Sunday school is for the good church kids to learn about God and get deeper into the word. And then Wednesday nights were like outreach because we're bringing in the bus kids. But there was always this general toxicity about the bus kids. I mean, that was what we called Mm. them. And it was like they were the kids who were notoriously bad. The leadership would have to sit with them. They always caused problems. They ruined the church experience because it was like the church kids can't hear the lesson because the bus kids are, you know, and it's just like Mm -hmm. it's so real. And you can watch this and be like, yeah, it's very comical. But at the same time, it's like this is almost like too re- like it's it's not comical enough because like this happens in yeah. churches in america every single day oh my gosh speaking of progressive the scene where um the kids when they're getting ready and they go uh you know everyone's downstairs getting their costumes on and they're like it's just gonna be awful mary and joseph look like refugees or something hannah and i both audibly gasped and then the dad went well that's what they were they and i was like I like almost passed out. I was like, are you for real? Like, really? Really? Okay, movie. Team dad. Okay, movie. Yeah, the mom and dad and the daughter were like the good people in this. It was like the son, he can go to Liberty University and I don't know. You know, his little life. Yeah. But the rest with, of the family. With- <laughs> With com- complete respect to our listeners and viewers who have attended have attended who the hallowed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, we've survived the experience. Well, now let's talk about, I think, my legitimate, real, sincere issue with the movie. So the director says to Imogene, who Imogene's kind of like downstairs being very, you know, difficult, kind of. She says, um, Imogene, Try to remember that, like, this is a baby, and tonight it's the baby Jesus. And doesn't say anything else. And then Mary, and then Imogene sees a picture of Mary, and it, like, moves her somehow. But the problem is, is I love the idea of, like, you know, a piece of art can move someone to, you know, inspire them in some way or another. The thing I don't know is, is I don't know why. And I don't think that the movie is strong enough to, I don't think the movie has earned me thinking about it at all. Cause I could, cause in my head, it's like, well, you know, she's heard the story of Mary. And so now this is like, she's like, oh, that's the mother of Jesus. I'm playing the mother of Jesus. Da, 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 da. Or I'm thinking, is she seeing like, here's a woman who's like all alone and all she has is like, you know, her family. And maybe that's how she feels. But again, it's like, I don't think the movie has earned me giving it that much thought so i'm watching and i'm like why is why is any of this happening and i don't if i'm totally out of line please let me know i i I would interpret i mean you have to definitely think about it but i would interpret it as her seeing a mother who loves a child and Mm. her not having that and seeing that imagery like she Mm. didn't know how to hold a child before because she was not held and so the imagery of seeing Mary holding a child all of a sudden, like, I guess, awoke in that in her. But obviously, that's something that, like, you have to re- like, I have to yeah. read into that. That's not something yes. that's going to, like, yeah. And I think that. the audience watching this is, is just going to be like, yep, 
Mary does that to people. Yeah, but that would be like yeah. my deeper read. But like, I'm also seconded. Not, I yeah. feel like I'm more of a critical like sure. thinker when I watch something like this. Right. Whereas but the Kayla, general I, audience wouldn't. Kayla, I, I agree with you, Mike. But before you go, Michael, Kayla, I love what you're throwing down. Like, I, I mean, I love how you are bringing that up. I think that that's beautiful to think about. And and this is kind of where we get into my other issue is that like it is a 40 minute made for TV yeah. thing. So of course they're not going to put that kind of, I think it's like on the one hand, I'm like, well, it has to be a full length movie that I wouldn't watch that, you know? So it's kind of, you can't really, the movie can't go into the depths of its own soul because of what it is. Yeah. I don't know if that was in the book or not. hundred percent, hundred percent in the book. Um, I feel yeah. like I need to like go grab it off of my shelf. I don't know. Do it. <laughs> Source material it's in the house somewhere. <laughs> Right, right. I th- it's the it's the moment that I think people who know the story, it's the one that sticks with you the most, or it's right. the or it's the kid who's screaming on the on the front of the cover of the book. But like that's what I've I've now seen this a couple different ways. Like I've I saw a Shakespeare Festival do it. I saw this, and then I book in elementary school. Um, and it's the most like it is the turn at the turning point, but it's the turning point of the of the story because everything finally like sits. Mm-hmm. Like the the humor uh, or meta commentary on church people like wears off or not wears off, but it's like the it's the it's the it's the story's most like simple moment, and it does afford an opportunity to dig deep. And I don't know. I agree. I don't know if the if I I certainly don't think this version of the story warrants anything of remote depth. But I think it's supposed it's supposed to be the moment that sticks with you because it's the most simple you you can read into it you can give it a conversion feel i i'm i'm 100 with kayla i like the idea of something very just like essential clicks mm-hmm. in this kid's head and it's up to us to interpret why that's happening and i actually feel like they did give us a fair amount of time to come to that conclusion yeah um but probably not on purpose well and i and i will say i don't know who the actress is who played her but i thought in that scene where she like didn't have to say anything and just had to like do it i'm like she is doing some heavy heavy lifting like she's making me care about this and i don't know why like (laughs) good on her like yeah yeah. totally i think It sends, I, yeah, it, I, I, I mean, with the ending too about, well, then she like takes the picture and, you know, like leaves in the night, you know, like that's like, kind of like the thing that they like set up of, but like, sorry, <laughs> and disappears forever. Well, you just see a hand. Yeah. I don't think they took anything. <laughs> but this, I, I still think the ending, even though they're like, wow, we were wrong about the Herdman's still doesn't do anything because the message of the story is the same or what we get from what has been set up is the same is is the message that so many people have heard and have been so hurt by which Mm. is that you are not allowed to be it like like the thing is i think that what they're saying is by being like oh the herdmans are awful oh we don't like the herdmans we don't want them here it's like you are not allowed to be at church you are not allowed to be here and ruin our nice environment which i think is something that people are hurt by now again this is a 40 minute made for tv movie but when you're analyzing it like i am in this moment then there's the aspect of what about people who abuse people that's when you set those boundaries of who's allowed to come in people who like predators or other people like that who've taken that step but you when you talk about 
kids in your community who everyone hates and judges because they are not like them, you know, like that's a completely different example, you know, like, and I think, I think that's what I get watching it. Maybe it's just because of the lens I went in with it. Well, because it is a 40 minute made for TV movie. But I think when you think about it, like that's something it gives off. Well, there is a pretty condemning line that the mom gives, which is kind of like, Blink and you'll miss it, but if you catch it, during the um, the pageant, Leroy, one of the three kings, decides that uh, frankincense is not a suitable gift for the Lord, and he runs home and he gets the Christmas ham that was given to him by the child welfare office. And at the end, he doesn't take the ham back, and the mom kind of rejoices, saying, like, that's the first thing they've ever given away in their lives. I was like, I'm I'm sorry. This family gave away their, like, Christmas dinner, essentially, to feed, like, a mom and seven kids and the cat. And you're happy that he's given this away? It was like, like that, I don't, I was really, like, that rubbed me the wrong way. Because I was like, I feel like all the kind of good faith that I was ready to give this movie, that kind of, like, much like Jim Carrey's The Grinch, it, like, ripped out the the blanket from under the table and then came back and cleared it all off so yeah because yeah. yeah no you're totally right because you when i watched that i didn't remember the end like the exact ending um mm-hmm. but i you almost expect like oh now the church is going to come together and show up at their house all these mm-hmm. ladies with a christmas meal or like yeah. this family is going to invite them over or the pastor is going to be like calling all the moms on the phone and be like, we got to get Christmas for this family. Which is a way better ending. Yeah, which is what I almost expected for a second, and then it ended, and I was like, oh, wait a second. That's right. They they don't. Um, So... (laughs) Yeah. When it ends with the little girl talking like this, as she narrates the entire movie. That, it none of that was okay. None of that was okay. When she looked at the camera for the first time across the dinner table, I was like, son of a, like, no, no, she, no, no, please, please, this no. Is the, this is the woman who's going to grow up to date Edward Norton in American History X. So, oh, you know, oh my God. That knowledge also. Okay, well, and everything does make sense now. Everything with that information in mind, that does make sense. I thought about this after, especially now after discussing this, I think this story is most successful at its most vague. There, there, there can be an argument made, and this argument is giving the story and this presentation of it way too much credit. But That's what we do here. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, but the... The Hermans at the very beginning of the of the story most successful when they are the most cartoonishly bad. Um, the, little the most like little rascals. All the like, other children was like the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yes, and it just paints an immediate vague picture of like the this is how these people are considered. And by the end of the thing, we've had all of the frustrating conversations with all the church ladies on the phone. We've had. The preacher saying like, well, you know, it's it's the Herdman's like our, our hands are tied. <laughs> also, they don't understand how the fire department works. This movie does not understand how the fire, <laughs> the fire department works. Um, oh, my goodness. That's that's a conversation for another time. But by the end, the most humanized characters in the story are the Herdman's because mm. 
uh, Imogene is allowed to have that moment of going, of recognizing the mom that is not present in her life. And that is this interpretation that I'm walking with in a very optimistic way of like, that mm-hmm. does flip that way. And the last bit is the kid shouting, Hey, unto you, a child is born to me. That's Hey, church people. This was about you the entire time. Yeah. Like mm. these people all received the gospel message in the most simple human way it could have been received. And whether it affects their life or not is maybe not important to the story. It's if you were listening to the story properly, you'll yeah. understand that these people at the end of the thing were still more concerned that the pageant went off well than anything else. Oh. Like some guy walked out of the thing going like, well, that was a riot. And they were like, yeah. wasn't that a, ch- a nice change of pace? We should have them back next year to play everyone. <laughs> and then to button it with, if you were paying attention, that's not actually what the story's about. Yeah. These are the most human people that this city has rejected. Well, folks, it's about that time where we're going to use our manners. Just like they offered you more applesauce cakes at uh, your church's Christmas party, when I offer you more of a, the best <laughs> Christmas pageant ever, I'd like for you to give me a yes, please, or a no, thank you. So, uh, Hannah. No. No. <laughs> I, I see you coming with it, and I'm going to avoid eye contact. <laughs> I, I think the thing is, I remember it as a kid, and sure, it was fun. I didn't really think much into it. But I think now, yeah, it's all right. Like, it's, I mean, well, well, no. I, you know, I think when you take it, like we've all said, you know, Michael mentioned it just a few moments ago, we've all said from the beginning, like, if you take it in a way that you could take it nowadays of like, not nowadays, like it's only relevant now, but like, I guess people are more open to talking about it now than they were when this film was made, like about how it really is like, okay, you was members of the church need to recognize what you've done is wrong sure then it's good because again i think the thing that's just sticking back to me is that i don't like that it gives the idea of you know you're not welcome as you are in the church i know that's the reality of you know again millions of people who have been hurt by this for decades for centuries i'm sure you know, like nowadays, still now going on and in the future. And I think I'd, I, I want to have that perspective rather as that that's what needs to change, right? Watching the movie of like, that's what needed to change is our hearts towards people when they come into a church that we should accept because Christ is for everyone. God is for everyone. Um, that should never change. And it, it like, I think now I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to anyone who's been told that they weren't or shown that they weren't welcome. No applesauce cake. Well, uh, well, Michael, Hannah is going to be <clears throat> passing on the, uh, the applesauce cake, so uh, you could maybe have a little extra if you would like some. I think this will be the first time that I think I've heard the term applesauce cake as it's being offered to Hannah. So I will look over almost immediately with great curiosity, morbid or otherwise, uh, uh, give it a gander and then say, oh, politely, no, thank you. Uh, mostly for this interpretation of the story. I think that what I took away from this one, I was like, none of the kids are good. Uh, and it's not a difficult, even not even, not really even one. Yeah. And for me, that was the biggest takeaway. Um, and so I really actually do treasure the 
uh, in the interpretation that we have sort of collectively woven that we wish was forest <laughs> is very parable-ish. And I treasure what's at the heart of that yeah. uh, parable. And I hope and I pray that that's what the initial intent was. And if it wasn't, we'll build a better one, Oscar Isaac. But no, thank you. All I have to say. Well, hey, hey, <clears throat> Kayla. Uh, there's a lot of we got tons of applesauce cake. Can I interest you in some? Um, I'm gonna say no, thank you as well. Uh, this is a very mixed bag. I think if if we together were to rewrite this and put on a production of this, you know, with child theater, the yeah. basis of the story could be really, really good. If it was in the right hands, um, and I think only certain people who are in a certain brain space would be able to look at this and pull out those themes um, that we have talked about. I don't think the general population would, which I think is concerning um, because of the other, you know, poor themes that it presents. Which why I think this would be a no, thank you. Um, for me, but if it was like totally rehashed, rewritten, um, but with the same sort of basic plot structure, um, I would probably take some applesauce cake, you know, but for this one, it's gotta be, gotta be a no, no sauce here. (laughs) And, and Kayla, now that I have all the applesauce cake, kind of going on the heels of what you said, I think... I might say, I might just be saying, yes, please, because I'm going to take the applesauce cakes home with me. I'm going to take all the uh, the ingredients that I like and maybe, you know, add some cinnamon, um, some nutmeg, some, some stuff like that. Maybe reshape it, rework it a little bit. Because here's the thing, like, I think there is potentially a really solid... <coughs> story that's trying to get out of here that's doing its best to get out and unfortunately it is just surrounded by um mediocrity and also harmful uh messaging but it's one of those things where i'm like maybe you know i could take the bones of this and and rewrite it and That'll be our Christmas musical next year. <laughs> so what you're saying is that basically, maybe I can't speak for all of us, yes. but we would take the original applesauce cake. Yes. And this movie is the burnt applesauce cake. Yes. You know what? Yes. Uh huh. It got burnt. It got burnt. But you know, let me. How about this? You give me the ingredients. And I'll try to make it at home, and I'll I'll try to make this something yeah. that we can all enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's the way that uh, I think that's what I'm thinking. Well, it looks like now we're baking a cake, and I think we all know how long that can take. Let's get all our friends together in the kitchen. I wonder what songs our guests will be pitching. And folks, we are finally bringing it home. We wanted to give you a gift this Christmas. We wanted to give you a playlist to play, maybe in the car, maybe with your family. But we're kind of thinking 
maybe if you were at church this Sunday and they said, please join us in the fellowship hall for waffles and pancakes and we have gifts for the kids. This is potentially the playlist that would be on in the background. And I have two people who have wonderful taste in music and uh, they're both brilliant. They're amazing. I'm very happy to have both of them here. Please welcome Jimmy Hughes and Noah Heisinger. Woo! I'm cheering for Noah, not for myself, because that would be weird. <laughs> Woo, Noah! Yeah. We're back. We're, We're back. back. <laughs> yes. Baby. We're talking about Salty again, right, Zach? Yeah. Yes. It was actually, actually the salt- all three songs I picked were Salty. <laughs> Noah, hum a, hum a tune from Salty, I dare you. Climbing my mountain day by day. <laughs> you bet on the wrong horse there, Jimmy. I, I, I'm out. That's good. I was not expecting that. <laughs> he grew up with it, man. He knows it. Unprepared. Oh, man. Unprepared. Know your audience. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was when we were recording the Salty episode that I think afterwards I looked at Hannah and I said, I need both of them for the, uh, for the Christmas playlist this year. So, Jimmy, Ooh. you were here last year, and I think... Mm-hmm. Two of your songs made it, and Jingle Bells by August Burns Red did not. Yes, uh, I learned. I learned my lesson to pick <laughs> pick my versions. We are making a playlist, but you know, music is different for everybody. So at the end, the three of us are of each selection. The three of us are going to get to vote after a little sampling of the song to see if the song will stay or not. But we all get. <laughs> one veto where we can use that to save a song that we like or to knock it out each member has selected three songs we'll go through one song at a time we'll vote and remember you each get one veto and if you really really want something you can try to convince someone else to give you their veto if you get overruled but so like you can veto a veto is that what you're saying yeah, wow. but you need to get someone else yeah, to like to basically give up theirs. Which with three yeah. of us, that's I don't know that that's got to that's got to be a pretty controversial song though. Yeah, two vetoes, the vetoed, and then yeah. veto, and then someone else could veto that other veto. Yeah, it would. Man, let's use see. it all yeah. in one song. Yeah. yeah, it's like if Jimmy is saving one for dangerous by mm-hmm. KJ Five Two. Always then, in my back pocket. Yeah. This is Jimmy's selection. Okay. Want to get to the chorus, maybe? Confession? Yes. Confession. I've never heard the whole version of this song. I just wanted a Jesus-y version. <laughs> oh, no. Centric song. Like, and I wanted one that's not on every single... One that's like not on the radio or like that's overdone. So I've sure, never listened sure. to that whole song. 
<laughs> I get mm. that. Here's my thing. The minute he started that slow joy, because I am very tired of everyone taking every Christmas song and just let's slow it down about 20 BPM and really jam it out, which is the beginning. I was liking the the chord progression with, with the little lead. Uh, Bells Glockenspiel-esque yeah. was fun. But once he started singing... And I don't know if I'm a no yet. I have to think about it a little more. Once the song started and it was like, oh, it was like, if, if he were singing with more, bah, 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 I think I, I'd be leaning a little more towards yes. But now, I don't know. It, Here, here's it the thing. No. What makes this a Christmas song? Because it's <laughs> the, the bells. The bells. It's basically <laughs> just like they listened to Elevation and were like, God, what if we made this Christmas? Because... It's like, it doesn't make me feel Christmassy, I think, is the main thing. Like, I guess because mm. the words are Christmas, is a Christmas song. Mm. But I think, like, it kind of stripped a lot of what I like about Christmas music out of it. That's mm-hmm. not saying that it's not musically good mm-hmm. or not, like, a good song. But just personally, a lot of the stuff that I would like in a Christmas song wasn't there. Except the bells. There were bells. So, yeah. good job. <laughs> on the, on the, whoever's playing the jingle bells really killed it. <laughs> well, here's the... Here's the other thing I'm thinking about. I know this playlist and the songs we picked, and there's not a lot of Jesusy songs for, for, for the for the. Li- Actually, there is there is one other one. So, hmm. with love and respect for you, Jimmy, uh, I think it's a no for me, dog. I I think it's a no for me as well. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say no. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris Tomlin and uh, and We the Kingdom, but uh, it, it's got to be a no for me. Mm. And and here we go into uh, Noah's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of it feels like Christmas. For me. It does, yeah. No, yeah, uh, yeah. This is one of the first vinyls I play uh, every Christmas season, and yeah, it's like not Christmas until I hear this song. No, yeah, it's a great. I have the vinyl too. Got it right back there. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely like so underrated on this album too. It is like it's just because I think yeah, you know, everyone likes the Christmas time is here. The Hark the Herald Angels Sing finale. Uh, Every song is a bop on that album. But, but yeah. this one, it's like, it's light and peppy. Good background music, I think. You said that kids are going to be opening presents. This is oh, a yeah. classic kids opening presents song, I think. Uh, like It just feels like a nice, just a good good vibes smart smart yeah i was thinking about that i was like where where is this fitting in but but you came prepared actually funny story this is the song when i knew i was gonna like uh the peanuts movie when this was the opening song i went Ooh, oh I, I see you that's a good movie that's a good it movie. is it's very it's delightful y'all should watch it uh yeah, but I don't know, Jimmy. Are you? I'm, I'm a yes. Are you pulling out that That's veto, or yes? <laughs> I, I, will, I veto Charlie Brown. I veto Charlie Brown on the record. I'm gonna be the, 
Oh, that's a, it's a yes. Cool. All right. So that is that is our first song that has made it on the playlist. That is Skating by Vince Guaraldi. And you are going to the Holly and the Ives. Woo! And now now here we go with uh, with my first uh, selection. So, you know, a little, it's, we know the song, but the melody is a little bit different. So it's yeah. kind of like, oh, this is new. Oh, cool. And, and it's sung uh, beautifully, uh, by the way, by, by my fiance. Yeah. So that's, that's why that's there. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Noah, what, what are we thinking? Um, I, it's a great, I mean, I'm going to, I would probably say yes. My only, my only thing was like, does this bring down the mood? Like, I did think about that. Is this a is this a mood killer? But I'll uh, counter argument. Every playlist needs a good mood killer. I feel like I agree. it's not a good playlist unless you've got that one song that comes up. Like, why is this on here? But like, this is good. But why is this here? That's so every Godfellas playlist. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like it might fill a necessary spot that I, that is missing. See, I was thinking about that too, and that like it psychs you out because you hear it and you go, "What is this?" And then you hear yeah. a way in a manger, and you go, "Oh, it's mm-hmm. way in a manger." Back to my waffles. Okay, mm-hmm. like it, it reminds, <laughs> it, it almost yeah. reminds people, like, "Hey, there's music going on," mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you go, oh, "Okay, well, we're we're back, we're right. back at it." Draws attention yeah. to the playlist, like, "What is what is this? I've never heard this." Then they hear it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's the the necessary. Maybe we put it towards the end when uh the pastor's like, and before you go. <laughs> oh, are we are we sequencing these or is this a is a shuffle playlist? Maybe we should sequence them at the end. We can mm, we can keep right. stock of what we have. Sequencing and, and is very important them. to me. So I a hundred percent agree with you. Yes. Cool. So is that a, is that a yes all around? Oh yeah. 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 Cool. So, uh, Away in a Manger by Unbound featuring Hannah Furman is making it to the <laughs> Holly and the Eyes. And we, we continue with uh, Noah's next song, which I'm very excited about. Side painted candy canes on the tree. Santa's on his way, he's filled his sleigh with things. Things for you and for me. It's that time of year when the world falls in love. Every song you hear seems to say, Merry Christmas, may your new year dreams come true. Song of mine, in three quarter time, wishes you and yours the same thing too. Jimmy, what are we thinking? It just sounds like Christmas. Noah has a good ear. It's not a competition, but he's he knows how to pick them. It's <laughs> oh, uh, well, can I get can I get saucy for a second? Please do. 
the music i love his voice i love the phrasing just listening to it this first mm. time through some of it it sounds like he's like oh shoot i have too many words and it's kind of rushing but if that's that's me nitpicking a mm. bit because it, it is like again i don't have to li- <laughs> i don't have to listen to that necessarily mm-hmm. because i have like scrambled eggs in in front of me yeah but you're, you're i mean it's still like and it's it's a it's a nice groove mm-hmm. but it's that's I like it's a nice soft groove you know mm. what I mean it's not like oh yay this song it's it's oh like we're, the vibe is still we've brought it back to life after away in a manger maybe yeah this is directly <laughs> yeah. after is that too hard of a trip maybe there's a song in between but yeah mm. I, I feel like maybe that it's that's a nice like getting us good back intro. into it's it a good intro you know mm, yeah. so it's got mm-hmm. a longer intro I think too this one like it's um a song that everyone knows but it's like usually this song is usually very slow um and so i like this version of it i didn't even think about the phrasing because like i've actually like i don't know when this album came out like four or five years ago but i this has like been one of my favorite songs since that album came out so i've just listened to it so much that like the phrasing makes sense to me but i guess like it is one of those things where when you listen to a new rendition of a song that you've heard a million times mm-hmm. and you have a different kind of phrasing and even chord progression to it. It's a little bit off putting, but yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But I like it though. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, it, baseline fire. Mm-hmm. That guy yeah. was going off. Mm-hmm. Aaron Burr was going off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's too, you know, for the kids, you know, maybe anyone likes Hamilton there. They're like, wow. I was guys. just thinking that. Yeah. Maybe I'll be back next Sunday. They maybe play, they play mm-hmm. Hamilton. Not <laughs> just Hamilton guys. <laughs> I love it. That, yeah. So that's, that's three yeses once again. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Beautiful. 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 Well, speak while we're in the Broadway mood, uh, mm. let's go to Jimmy's next selection. Hot take. I don't love Adina Menzel's voice necessarily. Wow. But that is a hot take. But it is, it is. I mean, she's a good singer. She's a very talented singer. It's just not my mm. my my favorite kind of voice. That being said, Jimmy, this was a this was like also, I feel like a sneaky good pick on your part because mm-hmm. Then the kids are like, "Is that Elsa?" Yes, exactly. Oh, classic. We got yes, we got we Frozen and Hamilton in here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and like I like the building. I like how it goes into double time and like yeah yeah, yeah I that's that's one where I'd be like, oh hey Siri, what was that song that was just playing? Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think it's good. It's fun. Yeah, it can it can go on to the Holly and the Ives and good here job, we go Adina. with. <laughs> Good job, but you've made it. You made it. <laughs> you did it. You made did it. The Godfellas pod. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hang that and next to all your awards. And, yes. Yes. Adele Dazim. And here is my uh, next selection. 
Real talk. If you're not listening to this with headphones, like that's it's all about that bass line Ooh, yeah. for me. It's it's mm, mm-hmm. we're going really jazzy today, guys. Yeah, I not enough people have heard Chicago's "What's It Gonna Be." Santa, I love Chicago, but uh, mm. yeah, the, their Christmas album is it's very mixed. <laughs> some mm. songs are great. Some like songs their whole are, discography, kind of honestly. Yeah, like, yeah, they have like a some lot going amazing. On. They have some incredible songs and some. What were you guys thinking? But this one is uh, thinking it's, right. It's it's just so good. And I, even like his voice is a little like on the chorus. I'm like, ooh, you're not not quite. But that groove again, a great just, groove. Also, a lot of a, like the 40, 50 year olds. I think yep. would like Chicago. You know, mm-hmm. it's a good and it is fun. Like so, I think yeah. even younger kids would because it's got a nice groove and you got the horns horns are always fun yeah jimmy i don't know you know if mary beth is here she's gonna be really upset about That's, that band that sang a song about lsd is singing in the a 70s. Christmas is song. <laughs> classic chicago mary, mary beth didn't they do saturday in the park <laughs> get them out of here but christmas is about second chances Mary Beth. There is no Easter without Christmas, and, and Christmas is our fun holiday. So just let us have this, Mary Beth. I'm so glad that you're a minister to people. <laughs> Christmas is our fun holiday. Makes me so happy. Christmas is for fun in, in light-hearted yeah. times. That's exactly. right. Don't worry. In a few weeks, we'll get somber again. It- yeah. What do we say? Yay or nay? Uh, oh, I yeah. say yes. Yeah. I say yes. That's right. That's, that's three S's. Ooh, awesome. ooh. We got have, a lot here going we go. through. Yeah, a lot going it's, through. It's hard to say no to a Christmas song unless it's. It is unless it's the first one. Unless it's. Unless <laughs> it's, the first one. <laughs> unless it's Chris Tomlin. Yeah. <laughs> well, here we go with uh with Noah's next pitch, which he said he was contractually obligated mm. to uh select a song from this artist. Jimmy, Zach, what do you think? I like it. On the um, 
I am I am contractually obligated as well, <laughs> given my given my position. If if we're if we are drinking hot chocolate, it's it's fine, and that's what I'll tell Mary Beth. That doesn't have to leave. That right, have exactly. To leave this you could group. be drinking anything. Yeah, you know, Mary, Mary lemonade. Beth, how how close minded of you? <laughs> lemonade makes everything easier. Yeah. So I just that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Why, why do you have Cat Stevens on this playlist? <laughs> Uh, uh. Mary Beth, how do you know who that is? <laughs> yeah, I like it. I think placement is going to be important mm-hmm. with this one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely it, it's it switches up the vibe. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's something different, similar to the way the manger. It's the one where it's like, mm, why is this here? But also, I guess it kind of switches it up a little bit. It's something that never like people probably wouldn't have heard either. Mm-hmm. So I think you've got to have some new stuff on there. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, like my real answer to your question before about what Christmas music I listen to is just the two Sufjan Stevens Christmas albums on repeat. Yeah. So like that would be my real answer. And personally, like I like his first album more, but because we already sure. have a song from that album, I wanted to pick a song from the second one. And I thought this one, you know, it, it fit, it fit the bill the best for, for a party. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I and I do like the idea. It's a nice refocusing song, and maybe brings us out of like the jazziness into because if we're combining this with last year's playlist, how last year was like all the heavy like indie folk. Oh yeah, I this feel is like where it this, shifts. This is the jazz. Yeah, this kind of like leads us out of the jazz and mm-hmm. into and into that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's good. That's powerful. Yes. Yeah, that is three yeses transition. out of out of the jazz. <laughs> Welcome to our out of the jazz playlist. Yeah, that is a uh, three yeses for lumberjack Christmas slash. Woo! No one can save you from Christmas's past. Um, wow. All right. <laughs> this one is uh, it's mine. It's, mm. it's going to be a little controversial, I fear. Um, Santa baby. <laughs> and I, and I, and at the end, I'm gonna show you why maybe I'm a little hesitant because I have to skip to the end of the song. But I'll just I'll play the beginning, and it's it's not that I want to you know shoot myself in the foot with the song, but uh, I feel like as musicians, you all have to know that this happens in the song. But uh, here is mm. here is my next selection. Home Alone, man. Great movie. Home Alone 2. <laughs> Love it. I really, really dig this song. Hmm. At the end, though, oh. someone made a mistake with the drum machine, mm-hmm. and it has the most bananas fill I've ever heard in my, in my life. Oh, right. and Let's hear it. Wait, let me find I it. I like bananas fills. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, 
I love it. a good blast. I love a good blast beat, man. I, yeah. That's all I'm gonna say. A good out of rhythm yeah. blast beat. It, I like it. Here's the thing: Christmas, Christmas, uh, little little Jimmy gets his his piano with a, a drum machine on it, and when I play anything with like a drum thing on it, that's exactly what I sound like. So I like songs that that represent me. So. Oh, yeah. and I feel like that's one the first time as an eight year old boy when I heard that in Home Alone 2 Lost in New York I thought Mm. this is a great song and no one ever talks about it so it's like Mm. I feel like we need to educate the masses on on this song by Darlene Love and the E Street Band well everyone loves Home Alone as well like everyone loves Home Alone 1 and 2 so I'm I'm sure a lot of people will even have recognized like that opening and it's like Mm -hmm. man I should watch Home Alone 2 later yeah Right after we open presents. Right. And they should watch Home Alone 2 later. They're correct. <laughs> we go back into the chapel and watch Home Alone 2 because it has less cursing than Home Alone 1. <laughs> I'm saying yes. Yeah. I'm saying yes. It feels That's like the- Christmas. This song feels had, like Christmas. We've had one no so far. Mm-hmm. No vetoes. <laughs> we, no vetoes. No drama. Once again, it's, it's hard. It's Yeah. It's Christmas is a feel good <laughs> holiday. Like there, there aren't many bad Christmas songs except the first one. Yeah, season of giving. And speaking of season of giving, here given giving. Here is the final uh, song from Mister Pastor Hughes. You know Solid stuff. But do you recall <laughs> the most famous reindeer of all? Come on, Rudolph the Red. I want to choose my next words carefully. If I... Don't look at me like that. If I didn't know that... If I didn't know this was DMX and I was at this Christmas party, mm-hmm. my initial thing would be like, oh, Lecrae did Rudolph? Oh, no. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking like Ja Rule if I was blind listening. But. Right. I, don't, I yeah. only know one Christian rapper. But, um... Noah, what I want um here fall on the well, sword I, i'm not i'm not gonna it's not really about the the dmx of it all because <laughs> lo- love it it's more like is this the vibe that we're looking for at this party uh and i don't know if this is the vibe i think that this might this like we are talking about mood killers i think this might like be a, 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 a actual mood killer <laughs> um so <laughs> I um, am unfortunately going to have to say no to this this particular song. Not the song, but adding the song to the playlist, I think, more. Because I think it's like mm. a cool take on the song. It's always mm. it's a fun take on the song. Mm. That's a good line. I'm going to steal in the future. No to this song in this context. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Listen. <laughs> yes. I believe... That with enough coaxing, this song yes. could change Mary Beth's life. <laughs> Do, does she need to come she in for a second? A I, I, she I might think, have a heart attack. But what yeah. if it loosens her up a little? 
<laughs> this is no. This is no, so, okay. Jimmy, so this is. This do you is, hear the music that they're playing we, on the radio? We, we take the South Park route, right? And we 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 show the song first, and then Mary Beth is like, "This is like our skip song in the first one." And then we get it out of her system, and she's like, "Pastor, what are you doing to this song?" I was like, "Okay, Mary Beth, I'm sorry. I'll change the song, and then you can put anything you want on the playlist, Zach." So this is a fall on your sword song. That is that is a good point. This this is the the. It's Rudolph taking one for the team. Yeah. Ooh. If I could just get to Prancer, I'm happy. The, you have brought up a good point, Jimmy, about like you need one that like is gonna get people like to not trust you. <laughs> I will I will veto only if it goes on at the top of the list for Mary <laughs> Beth to, to lose her mind and then it's just over with. You and know what? You actually, yourself. no, actually that is a good like top of the list where it's noisy enough mm-hmm. in the fellowship hall that people won't notice it. And it's a, it's a guy. Jimmy, was playlist. that a veto? Was that a veto? Yes. For you. Have I ever used a veto? Yeah, I'll use it. Why nope. not? We've agreed the whole time. Chris Tomlin. <laughs> no, but DMX is making it on this playlist. There we am go. I allowed Amen. to? Am I allowed to veto the veto on this oh, one? Oh, are we going to get spicy? Get me to give you my veto as well. <laughs> okay. Well, he, I, I'll just. I know I won't be able to. So I'll just pretend like I made an argument. Try to convince me. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I'll try to convince you. Um. Okay. Here's the thing. Like, good argument, I guess, for the fall on the sword thing. We should bank on how good our music selection is. That we don't need a fall on your sword song. Because it's going to be banger after banger after banger, um, you know. So this seems like we're we're starting off on the wrong foot. We're already kind of like not confident in our selections. I'm personally confident in the other seven selections we made that mm. I don't think we need a song like this. I think the other songs can speak from the, for themselves. So personally, counter, that's counter, my take. Counterpoint. <laughs> Does Spotify just have three minutes of silence? Like, no song is there a song that's like a hidden track on like a. I'm, I'm like sure a, there well, there's is. probably what is that like three minutes and forty four seconds? The that one song that the guy that that's just, that's just silent four minutes thirty three seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so here's what yeah. we do: we put that one at the beginning. I want to I want to put that song. I want to add a song. I want to use my okay. veto. Here's here's my plan. I want to okay. use my veto to add that whatever that song is to the end of the playlist. <laughs> And then once everybody is gone and I'm just the only one left cleaning up because nobody stays to clean up, I get to listen mm. to DMX's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer all by myself. Okay. Ooh. So, so or you I can just play it on my own. You want song. it at the end with... Yeah. It's a post-credit scene. So and then, okay. and then we add four minutes. It's, it's called four and then apostrophe 33. And yeah. then it's um, a double a, a quote by mm-hmm. John Cage. So we had 433 by John Cage, which okay. is all silence. And mm-hmm. then we put, okay, I can accept It's a that. post-credit scene. And then the people who are going to stick around and help you clean up to this song are really the people you want in your lives. That's so that true. Is a, and this dang, is a, That is a good uh, cleanup song, I think, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're already, you're tired, but you need that little extra push to mm-hmm. put the chairs Wait. away. Yeah, let's get a little goofy with it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, all right. I like it. I like it. I like it too. You're a good. Uh, that was. I'm glad that we were all able to to get there together. Out of all the songs, <laughs> that's the only one I wanted on the playlist. I want to. I want to get this song on there any way I can. So thank you for. We did it. We did it. We, we did, did it. it. DMX is on the Godfellas playlist. <laughs> Godfellas. 
Hey friends, thanks again for listening to this very, very special episode. We wanted to give you something great for the end of Season 2, and hopefully we lived up to that. Once again, we would like to thank all of our amazing guests. We have links to all the things that they're doing in our show notes, and we want to say a very special thank you to you. You've all seen Godfellas go through a lot of change this year. We were a show that was just coming out every now and then, and then we were a twice a month show, and now we've gone weekly. So, we will be taking a bit of a break for the holidays, but we will be back in mid-January, and we have a lot of amazing, amazing things planned, and we can't wait to go on this journey with all of you. Yeah. How how yeah. terrible do you have to be to not go pick up your child at the thing they've been rehearsing for? Because who else is going to see it? Exactly. That concept is deeper thin. <laughs>